Welcome to After Credits here on the Intercut Podcast channel, where we review a new movie, including everything that comes after the credits. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, why so blue, it's Arturo Zurita. I thought you were going to tell me what to, to show me your hands or anything like that, <laughs> which I only had a mug to go with. How many fingers? How many fingers do I have? But Zach, how many times have you seen this one? Because I have gone <laughs> back to Pandora twice. It almost feels like I've done the journey twice, right? It's been the round trip. You come out of it with your protective gear on. It's like you did a tour, <laughs> damn near, right. uh, with how long this Just is. Just trying to get used to regular regular frame rates again it, and... it is faster to get to the sundance film festival than it is to sit through a screening of pandora so yeah kind of <laughs> yeah uh i think it's only two rounds but uh i don't know if you're planning on more or, or oh. what we're gonna get uh i don't know uh but it, we've explored the world of pandora and we're back to report on our findings uh because james cameron has brought us back to the world of the Navi to introduce us to Jake Sully's life, new Sully. life with his newfound family on the extrasolar moon of Pandora. And a once familiar threat returns to finish what was previously started. Jake is working with Neytiri and an army of the Navi race to protect their home. Are, we already broke down our thoughts in a non-spoilery fashion in a review on this channel. So if you want to hear that, you can go ahead and check out our other other Avatar review, but we want to talk about some of the details and the things that we don't want to spoil for people who hadn't yet had a chance to see Avatar Way of the Water. But now that you've gone through the journey twice, what sticks out to you about going back the to blue people, the bro. well? It's a lot of yeah. blue people in this movie. Um, and some of them are a little more turquoise, but but there... There is. There's a teal point. Shades since we to are, blue. Since we are going to be getting into the spoiler side of things, uh, they just redid Black Panther, or Black Panther was the redid of this movie. You have blue people yeah. who now live in the ocean who are a different shade of it, <laughs> let's say, who have beads that can communicate to other people while they have uh, substances that other corporate organizations are trying to take advantage of. So it's like... Yeah. A similar story again, which was also Avatar and the movies that came before Avatar, but it really, yeah. it really is about the skin, right? It's who's telling the story, who is the one delivering the punchline, the the gut moments, and after 13 years. I think you're going in this because this is a movie to experience in theaters. I think for a lot of people, the, uh, unless it just doesn't interest you, this is a reason to actually pay money for a screen that a lot of people feel they have at home. After seeing it in IMAX 3D and the Dolby 3D, uh, we were talking about how this is like so advanced, right? You watch a movie and, and you wonder, will this still be there in five years time? I think this movie, it will take 10 years to catch up to it. And as you've seen him do, then he'll fix this movie up again as he's working on the next one. But I think mm -hmm. he's got 10 years of longevity with this film and that makes it a file so big. I just hope you have a system, a theater that runs it well. He was talking about how a lot of these projectors, uh, especially 3Ds uh, ones, have not been updated for the bulbs to be bright enough. So if they're already not bright enough because of wear and tear, then you have to wear 3D glasses that is literally a sheet, right, of, of just black frames in front of you. Uh, mm -hmm. Will the technology be there? I'd say best bet, Dolby 3D. That is the best version that I have seen it. I think it is the best version that you can get. And little did I know. He kind of threw the IMAX to the side. I go to the IMAX showing. I see they got a, some lanyards there. They go, nope, it's only for the Dolby people. And there was posters for the Dolby people. And there was like NFTs for the Dolby people. So clearly the Dolby 3D, which comes with the high frame rate, is the way that he wants you to watch it. Big Jim approved. 
Yeah, I think even just in screenshots you see online and people talk about, uh, you know, Twitter compression and YouTube compression, there are moments that don't look quite as beautiful. And uh, there are moments where I think if you weren't seeing this projected on a great screen where the images might not live up to that hype yeah. that uh, the marketing has has sold it as. But then there are these transcendent moments where th you, you do see the real... Uh, all the little details that have been replicated and all the, you know, little grooves in the skin and, and folds in people's face wrinkles that are, are not just live action and they're not just computer graphics. It's somewhere in, in this like in between that is somehow also not an uncanny valley. It, it is really, really remarkable. And I don't know, uh, there, while there are those moments that have the high frame rate goofiness that m makes it look video gamey and, and surreal rather than super real. Yeah. I, I feel like for the most part, it's just immersive. And for me, that is really at its best when we do get to the middle part of the movie, which is also kind of the, the least drama filled, but when you really do get the way of the water and you get to explore the oceans and see all the uh, creatures that they've created for this world, that to me is when the visuals are, are at their best. Easily. You would call it practically like a documentary. We know that this man spends half of his life doing documentaries where? In the abyss. This man's always yeah. been going to the depths of the ocean. Like, that's his thing. He's always mentioned, I think, the three things that people hate in films, uh, at least to work with as filmmakers, are kids, animals, and water. He's made his whole <laughs> career off water, and uh, I, I think he excels with it here. Yeah, there are some moments where, like, the water, you can tell. They, You know, the argument is, is all the water fake or is it not? They've already said it is all water. They put the wet in Weta. They yeah. went all out with it. And you can see it because some of the sequences that I thought looked a little laggy when I saw it in Dolby the first time were clear yep. in the IMAX. They weren't as mm. pristine. But then there were other moments where I didn't see the water lag like that in the other one. So that's why I'm saying like it's up to the projection system that you have. But to think that all of it is fake, that you weren't noticing when you thought it was real that that's that's insane yeah. to me like what you're going to be able to do with this technology in the future um i don't know i think it's kind of limitless bro yeah i mean especially the landscape shots when they really do get to pull out and show you like a a scene like a her long horizon and you you get a picture of the world it's very easy to forget that it is it is crafted it is animated I, mm -hmm. I found myself having to remind myself several times during the screening that like yeah these are these are digitally captured images and uh I, I think you know the same way that the first avatar film really uh what was this monumental achievement in what film could, technology can do i think this one too sets itself apart in terms of uh, the way that it is integrating these images. And I think it's beyond just the stuff with the water. I, I, there's all the different um, machinery and, and future facilities. I, I was a fan of the crab, uh, crab marines, the, the crab-like submarines. Suit. Best new suit, yeah. easily. And those are the best parts of it, when they're able to use it with this like new machine or whatnot. My favorite moments... Is when they do a POV perspective, that's when I thought they killed it. There is in particular mm. a couple of shots where when the character of Stephen Lang awakens, he's got this Mass Effect shot that he does where he, it's from his POV because you see the hands. The camera is his eyes and he walks up yeah. and he looks out at Pandora from the spaceship. 
I'm like, that is using the H- HDR incredibly. There's a point where they like, they, they practically rode those water banshees like a whip. And the brother holds on the middle one when he's trying to rescue his older one. And that oh, long yeah. take POV, they were majestic. And it's those yeah. moments that he's able to hit that when you're feeling those wonky stuff or you're feeling the three hour runtime, it, it makes you uh, appreciate that stuff up on the big screen. Cause I, I, I really do think he's making movies that you cannot replicate at home. You can't camcord a 3d movie you can barely replicate that in in your in your tvs at home and with the hdr effects that he's bringing to it you won't be able to even stream some of this stuff without your internet glitching it so he has made Mm -hmm. a full theatrical movie that may be too good for the movie theaters themselves (laughs) right like you have to try and see it in theaters because you might not really be seeing Seeing it it. if you if you wait to see it at a home theater or something like that you can go to cinema and still not even see it it's funny you bring up those POV shots because, yes, yeah, some of those POV shots, especially when they're trying to uh, ride those those water uh, creatures, I don't remember the names of, uh, I think those are some of the most exhilarating shots. And it, it's almost the opposite side of what I would describe as video gamey because I like how video gamey it feels in the sense that it puts you in the moment. It makes you feel the experience of what they're feeling. And then I... I'm also using video gamey on the other perspective for when the HFR uh, just sort of makes obscures the image in a weird way and, and just gives it that video game sheen that doesn't feel as filmic. So there's there's parts where the the video gamey nature of it benefited it, and parts where the video gamey nature of it I think detracted from it a little I'll as well. You. Yeah, it's really just going to be a matter we discuss this of uh, how used to it we are, right? 3D after he came out in 09 with the original movie ruined so many films because no one was shooting Ugh. for 3D. They just saw the success and they went, I guess let's mimic the stuff we're not supposed to mimic. So every movie was post-converting into 3D. The last 10 years were hell. Nobody loves 3D. Yeah, we're all going back because we know that the way that he does 3D is with a purpose. He's not shooting it with one camera. He's shooting it with a camera with two lenses, our two eyes, mm-hmm. to get you that 3D effect. I think what we're forgetting, I always love when uh, 10 years pass on something and we're all like, these were the effects of what the last movie had. Yeah, I think everyone's written their thesis on that. What yeah. will the effects of this movie be? And no one can name it. Zach, it's HFR. Everyone's mm-hmm. going to want to mimic this technology because you don't even have to do it leading into your production. The same way that everyone converted the movies at the end to 3D, 3D, and that's why it was so bad, it wasn't there from the uh, original starting point, is that the technology that he used for this movie is what he also used for the Avatar re-release to add high frame rate. He's using Mm -hmm. it in the Titanic release for next year to add high frame rate. True Motion is, I think, the name of the company. They are pushing to be able to fix your movies in post. This company is about to sell a lot of money for every studio in the next 10 years. Get ready for some terrible high frame rate, yeah. just like we had to deal with terrible 3D for the last decade. Yeah, but, get ready for a lot well, of movies to look like you forgot to turn off the motion smoothing. For no reason, right? You're watching like a, like the newest Room or something, and it's just way too detailed for no reason whatsoever. Um, I think it's just going to be a matter of time before our eyes get used to it. You've mentioned you've got people who you go over to their house, and they don't notice it on their TVs. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of exposure. Yeah, and we, we've talked about some people who saw this movie and didn't notice the high frame rates, too. So there are people for whom it isn't an obstacle or isn't a thing that will, will change their experience of it. But it is something that, for me, I, it made me – took me out of the experience in a way that so much of this film is so immersive and so transportive. It really does make you feel like – 
you have been taken to a new world. It's those moments that remind you that you're just in a movie theater, at least to me. Let's talk a little bit about the plot of this film, because uh, I think that's maybe a place where more people are, are, uh, rubbing up against it in the wrong way. Uh, I don't know if that's the best way to phrase it. Just have a sticking point, I guess, for some people in that, uh, it's, it's got these clunkier elements to it. The film starts its first hour with reintroducing you to, uh, Jake and the Navi and all the people of Pandora and the worlds of Pandora. Uh, there's lots of moments where they introduce new characters. Kiddos. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure when this dude found any time to to have sex, but like clearly there are is that the one that bothered you in the mix. That's the least <laughs> least of my worry with him. There is a lot of it's like another when were these people fucking happening oh, in this movie? Boy, look at him. You probably fit two people in that thing when no one's looking. <laughs> I don't try, look the Stephen you, thing. You saying he had bitches? You saying he had bitches I, on Pandora? I, look, he. I don't know how he was dating women whose first names are their last names because that's what the kid took. But it sounds like anybody who was in the first movie could have been sleeping with this man. It's the second character who I don't really get. Yeah, uh, we have. Benjamin Button Sigourney Weaver in this film as well, which is a choice, like a big choice, but not necessarily one that I, I uh, didn't like from James Cameron in that Sigourney, uh, who obviously played uh, played a big role in the last film. The scientist. Here is, here is using that Avatar category, uh, technology to inhabit a like preteen Navi child. Yeah, like Zach said, the whole first episode, the whole first chapter is just about them letting you know what's happening in the world and seeing this family. Because you can tell with three, four and five, we're really going to be focusing on this family. You rewatch the trailer. Yeah, that line really sticks out about us sticking together. That's going to be the story. This is the adopted daughter who, if you don't remember in the first one, the scientist character that uh, Sigourney played passes. But they like pseudo keep her alive. And she's kind of connected to their god of Pandora. And somehow they incubated a child. I don't know how that <laughs> happened. And the whole uh, movie, yeah. she doesn't know who the father is. We do get answered, the side mother for Spider and who Spider's dad is, being the original human Lang. We don't get an answer to the father of this little girl right here. And this being a huge movie about fathers and sons and children and legacies and all that. I'm telling you, it's it's the God, bro. They, they are going full Jesus baby on here. They're going with a Messiah baby. This is a <laughs> child who has been... Uh, I, I don't know Sigourney's character beforehand, <laughs> but I will say well, that the way she was impregnated has to be from some mystical deity, and that's why this character yeah. can control everything. And it also, she she hears the spirit of, of Pandora, right? Go. She talks about hearing her, its heartbeat, um, and, and definitely there is something different going on with this character. Um, do you Are you bothered at all that we didn't find out? What was going on, really, in, in this movie? That no. that, and I feel like so many other things were kind of reduced uh, to future, or, or like delayed to reveals in future Avatar films. Well, one, I do think they answer it. I think it's like so obvious because it's a world with a god. So I yeah. think that there's that as an answer. But two, we know three, four, and five are coming, and I think that's an answer to a question that only needs to be set. Like all we needed was a setup. Once they start yeah. answering that question. That sounds like the whole premise to what either three or four is going to be. So it's like once you open that Pandora. (laughs) That one just came, bro. That one was an accident. Once you open that box up, I think it leads to whatever the bigger story is going to be. 
Yeah. Well, there is a lot of teasing of what the future will be. I think the thing that I was really struck by, especially in that first hour, hour and a half of the film, is how much resetting that Cameron is doing here. He He's not setting up just a way of the water. He is setting up the, the larger experience. He's setting up the, the ACU, the Avatar Cinematic Universe. And whether that's uh, bringing back the Stephen Lang character who... I don't know if dramatically I really cared that much to see him return um, or it is introducing a new form of unobtainium from, from these uh, whales. Unobtainium. You got to give it to him. <laughs> I mean, it, it's still more than Jake Sully. The name unobtainium resonates years later, good. I think, uh, or introducing this Edie Falco general character who's basically there to just seem ominous and then disappears for the last hour or so of the movie. Uh Um, And and it's a lot of that stuff that made me feel like this was less of a complete experience than maybe the first one was, even if the experience of it was elevated from the first film. I agree with you. It is very clear that with characters like her and with Spider, you know, you're only seeing the intro to them because it's not going to be until later where they're like, right now Edie's going to play a big role. So it feels more like an intro to her. Whereas you're right, in the first movie, you got a complete Giovanni Ribisi character. You got a complete mm-hmm. Stephen Lang character. There's some things with Spider too, where they allude and they say like, well, what's going to happen with his relationship with his dad? Because he kind of yeah. has like a father who was never there. And now he's kind of there. It looking like how he wants to look, which is blue. He wants to be so part of these people. Right. Uh, and they won't let him. Uh, that's going to be answered in the future. When they did that MK Ultra thing, which is kind of what I want to answer with Antonio's question here. Um, they talk about how he has a lot of brainwaves. And with him having a lot of brainwaves, that seems like it's going to be a future thing they're going to answer. But Antonio in the chat had said, what do you guys think about the different film tributes? Star Wars, Jaws, Titanic. And I want to use that to lead into what you said about the first act being a retread. That's what he does. <laughs> uh, it, think of Terminator 1. That's the bad guy, yeah. right? And in Terminator 2, it's the bad guy doing the hero's journey. What's he doing again? Got Avatar 1, it's Sully. What if in Avatar 2, we had the bad guy from the first do the hero's journey and kind of right. change? There are moments where, uh, I don't know if you got the picture of Lang, he should have been killing people. But he had a son. And now he's kind of a mm-hmm. little softer. And there are several moments, even towards the, the climax of the movie, where he puts his son first. He went a little bit of a softy. It's, it's showcasing yeah. that idea of taking these sky people. Sully was a version of the sky people, these villains. But he was kind of softer. How can you take a real, almost like unredeemable person and start this journey? And look, my theory is, is that towards the end, we may actually have a full redemption arc. And that, to me, is really the story of Avatar. The first one was a human person who wasn't really human until he became something else. Uh, I think the best way to fulfill that is, yeah, maybe a little bit retreading, but I'd rather the turn of Lang than the turn of Sully, who was already kind of a decent guy. Yeah. I, I hear you there, and the larger arc is compelling. And I did uh, I did find the relationship between him and Spider to be, like, a compelling part of the movie that maybe uh, didn't, like, go, ha- go that deep, at least in this version. But I think making him the primary antagonist for Avatar 2 and then getting to a point when the end of the film, and here we're talking about, like, the ending ending of the f- f- movie where he's still just kind of around is a little bit unsatisfying, at least for a, for a complete arc for the film. And I don't know. I, I 
get using Stephen Lang as basically the big bad of the movie all over again. I found it to be just a little bit too samey, even if they you're transporting the location and putting him in a different body. And um, I, I do wish there was maybe a little more happening I in this. One. I yeah. think that's fair. Um, again, I, I I'm I'm I'm, ba- I'm banking on the long on the long picture here. I yeah, and, and he set it up very beautifully. And I, it isn't like there isn't enough that happened in this one that I yeah. I'm not going to come back for the third. It I I think there's a reasonable chance that three, four, and five could be even better. Um, I'm just and this is now the build that up, I've the setup. Yeah, now that I've done it, I I'm feeling that like MCU feeling of like. Wait till you see what we have I've next. I've been saying when you take all of these franchises that have been made that kind of feel like they're they're making it up as they go, what happens mm-hmm. when you take one of the biggest franchise guys who studied all the other franchises and he pre-plans his franchise? What could he possibly have in store? I have some ideas. We'll save it to the end. How long did it take you to find out this was Kate Winslet? When I asked you after the movie was done. <laughs> That's incredible. Is it? I think so. I think it's, I mean maybe even just as a performance too, because like I didn't recognize her voice. Usually I uh-huh. can do, I can do that. But. Now, if you did see Kate Winslet in a real movie and she did that voice, would you recognize her? I mean, probably unless she's under a lot of prosthetics. <laughs> she was doing that voice, right? If you yeah. ever saw the guy who plays Jake Sully, Sam Worthington, not in a blue avatar suit, but still with the same dreaded wigs, do you think you'd still recognize that Sam Worthington underneath <laughs> it? Definitely not. I think you'd still maybe, know that. Or no, you, sorry, you'd definitely know not the other him, way. I mean, that yeah. he wouldn't be yeah, able to bet. get away with it. How yeah. much of this technology allows you to be able to get away with accents? That that's an interesting. Uh, Is it an interesting hole, discussion? If you want to type it? Oh, I yeah. mean, I'm already here. I'm in the abyss with Jimmy. Well, I mean, look, Let's if we're, we're going to go here, yeah, there's a whole bunch of like uh, cultural appropriation going on in terms of how they're they're depicting the avatar. If acting people, is acting, hey, I'm glad we're back to the idea of acting is acting. I didn't think yeah. it would take 200 mil. <laughs> it's still a form of the right. same thing. That you see, I mean, this you've seen before. This whole thing is still like a parable uh, or a uh, parable for Native Americans, indigenous right? So, people. Yeah. So, would you allow any of these two actors to get away with it if they were playing indigenous characters? No, <laughs> well, I find it the... funny. It's the craziest <laughs> dupe of all time, Zach. There you go. That's the benefit of like painting them blue and putting ping pong balls on them. Hey, I. We'll see how this develops because in the future, I will tell you what's the most fascinating thing. If you go back to the picture of Kate Winslet, she's even sneaking in right there. Yeah, it's cool that you didn't realize that was her, but they're, she's covered in blue. It's not like it's her body type. It's not like it's her hair. It's not even her voice. I don't know what part of that. There's something about Zoe Zaldana's performance that I think stands out because you are capturing her eyes. They're mm-hmm. big eyes. She don't have eyes like that. Kate Winslet doesn't have that. So I'm almost yeah. here going like, you are kind of fixing a lot of extra animation. I'm going to tie this into Sigourney's character as well because she kind of pulled an Irishman thing. Sigourney Weaver's walking around like a 12-year-old. I don't think so. I don't think <laughs> it was, so. It I, was funny in those moments when it's just the kids and then you know Sigourney Weaver is just like curled up at a ball next to them or something. Yeah, but I don't think it's Sigourney Weaver moving. Remember the Irishman when mm-hmm. he did the kick? It doesn't matter how much you de-age him. You can't right. fix his oiled up or unoiled. He needs some WD-40 on those knees. It did not work no matter how much you animate it. I don't think she was moving as much. How much of the animation is still helping some of the movements? That's all I'm saying. Right. And if that's yeah, the case, and, well, you but wouldn't that's let the these thing. people that's go why, with these roles. That, that's the thing, though. That's why these aren't like live action movies or live action movies with prosthetics. They they are uh, 
there are what's the term that they were trying to use for Avatars. the Oscar category? They're, no, the, like their combined performances. <laughs> yes. it's, so it, the idea is that it's performance capture because in motion capture you are just capturing the motion and that could be an inanimate yeah. object. In performance capture, it is the legal way that they're trying to be like, no, we are worthy of awards because we are just capturing the performance with a whole layer of other stuff that you do. I think it's still going to remain tricky, but I think the big standing point is going to be one of two things. These are avatars. Mm-hmm. What happens when it's not a blue person and it's like an actual human being that right. they performance captured and you didn't, you weren't able to tell apart the human in the group. That's what yeah. I'm waiting for. Or two, which exactly. would be easier. They're going to cast Leo. Leo said no to the super tights. And I think he's going to say yes to the performance capture tights. And if they get Leo on here, they already got Kate Winslet. That is the turning point, in my opinion. You really had, what's his name, doing Smeagol for 20-some years, doing monkeys and everything. And yet it takes one big name, and then the industry completely changes. If they get Leo to be a villain in three, four, or five, Zach, it's over. You trying to start uh, Avatar 3 casting rumor right now? No, I'm just... (laughs) Just things in the wind. I didn't plug into any coral reef to let me know these ideas. I just feel, you know, it seems like a very... uh, If you could bring one Titanic star back, what's the most Titanic cameo you could possibly have? That happens, it's over. And especially if you can can see through that performance with the tech four years, five years from now. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. But it is interesting tech, right? There's more than just the... the advancements in it it's also the morality in it it's also like uh how will you be able to cast somebody who who may not look at it who may not look like the part you had mentioned even last week um what if you cast somebody with a lot of baggage can you remove that and keep their performance when you're changing what they look like up on screen right yeah like it, will we get to the point where like canceled actors find a way back because we would have to associate their image with the with the image or or like you were saying earlier when we're talking about what are what happens when we start using this technology on non-bloon people I, I brought this up during our first review what happens if Gary Oldman is able to literally be Winston Churchill instead of just kind of be Winston yeah, Churchill and not have to worry uh, about the resetting with the prosthetics it could be mm-hmm. crazy could be very interesting uh for now it is fascinating to see it depicted this way um i am a little bit uh i I did find it funny how much it felt like they were retreading not just some of the material from the first but even the feeling of the first in terms of uh the using the world of the water as sort of like a placeholder for the the uh more like foresty world that we were first introduced to in avatar avatar Uh, they're bending all the elements (laughs) <laughs> uh but you were you not as taken a, taken uh aback by all the redux uh, of it uh no because they were able to do it in a different setting yeah and and, you, and maybe a more like, visually compelling setting there's something about it yeah because you do get in the first hour like you mentioned that whole setup of the family and reintroducing who the villains are going to be and it's also the idea of like yeah we have the strangler of lang but the villain is the corporation that's back the yeah. rdf or whatever it is um also love that that it's not a country it's a corporation yeah that <laughs> yeah yeah that speaks volumes there too um yeah. That fall from the sky. I was telling Zach this. Now I can finally say it. Going off of all of the all of the uh, Easter eggs, they are the sky people who fall from the sky. So you got your Skynet as they're casting nets to capture everything. You do have the Star Wars stuff. I also love you got the one person who gets the arm cut off. Killer scene. But I love yeah. how we made it the right, not the left. Because Marvel has been doing nothing but homaging the left arm getting cut off for Star Wars. And he's like, nah, 
We're in a new era. Babylon's about to come out. We're in this new era of Avatar. Let me make my new rules. Let me redo scenes from my iconic past. But now that we're in this new era of Avatar, Zach, when he held the skull mm. and crushed it, the man was even homaging Shakespeare. He said, but you haven't yeah. seen it redone here. Yeah. Marvel's been doing that. How many when 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 uh, the Spider-Man movie said if he dies he dies. I went, "Yo, these people just really think kids aren't watching the old movies anymore that they're just going to take mm-hmm. from them." He said, "All right, I'm just going to take from all the live action ones to put it in my uh, performance capture one." So, I liked all of the all of the stuff. I liked that they switched a lot of the sky scenes and training to them be underwater cuz it was more fluid. I I think it looks cooler and I think yeah. that's where the high frame rate really helped out. And I told you those ones where they're in the deep sea when it's yeah. Damn near glowing, glowing in the dark. and stuff, yeah. <laughs> Ethereal scenes, bro. Those are really nice. Yeah. yeah, that's really some of the just like most magical looking stuff in the film. Oh. Uh, yeah, I, it, it. When they create that part, there of the are park? just a. Few, <laughs> there is. It's funny because like you can get cynical with some of the stuff, and you can be a little bit jaded with some of the story beats. But then he is able to put these images on the screen that are are so beguiling and and stirring that I think it just like makes up for any other shortcomings in the film and, and really is like, that's the price of admission right there. That's worth it. He's like Tarantino where all of the once upon a time actors were like real actors in his mind. He talks about them. He approaches it. He actually thinks he's filming a documentary. Yeah. So, uh, Josh in the comments says they don't fe- they feel like Natiri didn't get that much to do here, which is something they didn't expect. That's something I touched on a little bit in our our first review. It does feel a little like Zoe's spending more time on the sidelines, though. When she's on screen, she is the most captivating part of it. She she still gets to steal some moments. I don't see her being any less on screen than our main guy. Anytime that he's having a big discussion when he's talking to the other tribal leaders, she's the one right. who comes in and says, don't apologize for me. I feel yeah. like even in the scene she's sharing with her husband, with, with Sam's character, she's still the scene stealer. I I, I find it funny because recently he came out, right? Obviously, we all know he did Sigourney Weaver in Aliens. Like, he did yeah. uh, Hamilton in uh, Terminator. And now he has to, like, talk about how he's got a female character and a female villain and a pregnant female warrior and all these different things. And I'm like, you don't need to say all that. You're, like, the epitome of this. I think it showcases that if he's getting any criticism for Niteri being so much in Avatar 1, then 2, I think it's only a matter of time that in Avatar 3 we complain about whatever character we weren't recognizing this time around. So that's really what it's going to be. All of a sudden, she was so good in Avatar 1? Well, I think it's also that, like, this is a a family film as opposed to, like, a love story. And and the first one was really, like... The, the two of them, Jake and Natiri, sort of falling not just for each other, but like Jake falling for that culture. And now that it's a family film and the scope has expanded and we're introducing all these new characters, I think, yeah, she has less to do, but most of the characters have, have less to do uh, the this time the best crying around. scene. She's got one of the best yeah. standouts when she holds Spider and you knew she was going to do it because she didn't like yeah. that boy to begin with already. Yeah. So, no, I thought she killed it. I still think she's the best performer in the movie. Yeah, Kate was good, same. but she's still better. Um, and and I do. I think that they're still going to remain with her uh, for a while. I hope that this isn't one of the franchises she's trying to cut off because I feel like mm-hmm. this is the best and easiest one as your family grows as well. Um, no, I, I, I think the, I think she's still delivered because it's not less screen time. It's a longer movie. I, I don't mm-hmm. I, I liked her in it. I think she did great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
one more bit about the the plot. <laughs> Were you not bothered by the the ways in which uh, characters would conveniently just not be around or be missing, and Stephen Lang's character would show up, uh, and no one could find the, Jake Sully, even though he seems like he's just kind of like a short walk down the yeah, beach. Yeah, he's like over there, or when they prank one of the brothers, and he's about to get eaten, and then in the yeah. slow motion, you couldn't feel the big one that was going to come in. A lot of last minute safe rescues convenient stuff i agree yeah there was like one point in the end the brother uh when everyone when the titanic moment happens again talking about redoing his movies and yep. uh, you're following uh, uh sigourney's character and then everybody else the brother like the, the main one the, the second eldest he you don't mm-hmm. see him he just pops up to save his dad and you realize like yeah. i don't know like you'll be focusing on four groups and then one just goes straggles and he only appears once it's time to save maybe with a longer version it's already too long it fixes that, and I guess mm. he assumed, let me just chop it here, and I don't know. Yeah. But I feel you. I Christopher do. Nolan, Christopher Nolan wouldn't settle for those time disparities. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little much, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got another question asking if we think Avatar will make enough money to warrant a third. I think yes. the third has already been confirmed and and is going to happen with regardless of whether or not he this is a massive flop. He said they're almost done uh, filming it, so... But it's it's not going to be a massive flop. It's not. And, and I, I feel like, based on the buzz around this, that it will merit going even beyond the third. Uh, I think the third's box office is the one that's really going to term, determine whether this is like a, a long-running franchise or like a trilogy, quadrilogy kind of thing. And uh, you heard his notes, right? Where he had mentioned that, they gave me notes for two. They gave me notes for three. But when I submitted the one for four, because I'm telling you it's got Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio in it, he said yeah. all, all they did was swear back at him and said that it was fantastic, zero notes. And they're like, well, let me make this one. So he's been hyping it up like crazy. But there's two box office things I want to make sure that we understand here because a lot of people don't understand that. For one, everyone is under this assumption that the movie's going to bomb because it's not going to have a fantastic opening day box office, whatever the heck, right? Let me present mm-hmm. to you. What it originally made, because a lot of people don't remember. Do you remember what the first movie made, not in total, just at the box office? No. 77 mil. That's it. <laughs> so you're going to have a lot of people this weekend telling you that the movie bombed. Yada, yada, yada. It's probably going to make this, if not more, right? Because no I one mean, remembers it- that that's what it started with. It's the legs on this movie. Yeah. And it's already apparently on pace to about a hundred fifty million dollar opening weekend for Avatar Two, so that would be doubling the original's number. So not only and is granted, it doubling you know, it, granted it's a it's a different time and inflation and things like that have factored in. Which is inflation what he hasn't takes into doubled the value of money since two thousand nine. Uh uh-uh. uh here, but not overseas, and that's my yeah. second point. Stop yeah. thinking that this is a movie just for America. The places where it makes the most money is outside of here. It reminds me when people were talking about uh, the 300 mil Knives Out made and everyone right. like just assumed that was all from here in the United States. I'm like, honey, it was global. <laughs> like like 70% of that came from other places. So a reminder when you're looking at your domestic box office this weekend and talking a lot of smack, like a lot of professional critics have been doing online. <laughs> Don't. The movie's going to make a lot of money overseas. So I'm just like, I'm giving you the, the betting insight here. Don't do that. Because when you're looking at the yeah. numbers realize that the numbers are a little bit better than you think they are. Absolutely. Uh, any other final thoughts uh, on Avatar? You, Where do you think you, it's going to go? Don't... What, are your, what are your favorite theories besides DiCaprio? 
<laughs> I mean, I like the idea of exploring um, the Sigourney character's relationship to the planet and to the spirits and, and uh, the with you're going to get kind of some religious uh, thing happening in that film mm-hmm. would be pretty exciting. Um, I don't know, man. I, I'm curious if his sort of strategy going forward is going to be showing us a different side to Pandora every time. So we go from the forests to the water, uh, water to the mountains or <laughs> ground. Yeah, who, who knows? Yeah, are, we doing, are we doing airbender or what? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of that. I, I can see that. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how they expand that. I'm curious how they uh, expand the family. I mean, you have an eldest who died in this movie. And I think that a lot of people are sugarcoating right. that. Oh, it's just No, there are stakes in this movie that I think they are able to deliver on. Repercussions that you're going to see in the future. The final shot. I remember you said that there was a part in the middle that made you cry. I was surprised to realize that to me, it's when he revisits his son at the end. It's such a late mm. minute scene when he's looking at him yeah. young. And that's a scene in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. When you're being introduced to everybody, you're seeing that moment again for him at the end. That almost Avengers, you know, being able to see your son one last time before saying goodbye. I think they're going to expand on that. I think the kids are going to grow up to be really big. I think there's going to be a storyline with Spider having to choose his dad. I think there might be a storyline with the second eldest, who's now the one in charge, having to decide, should Spider stay or should he not? He has blood on on his hands. His first kill happened in this movie. Stephen Lang, I think, will have a redemption. The Spider stuff is definitely very intriguing as well. Uh, Jermaine Clement died, right? No one told me this man was in this movie, but I think he died, right? I think. <laughs> yeah, I was really excited when he showed up. I'm not I was sure awesome. if he died. I, I, his, I, being, I think his buddy died for sure, but... Oh, I don't know. Not even his buddy. His buddy can come back with an arm, right? True. You never know. So yeah. there's a lot of different things that they could take this. I, I'm very curious. I think that spiritual element is going to remain because I feel like that's one of the biggest things that the first had going with it. This one continues to dive into it. And I think one of the most newest beloved characters, uh, the one that Sigourney plays, is entwined with that. And I think that that made the first one a success, that spirituality of it that a lot of people seek. So I'm ready for three. I'm ready for four. Five. I think it's going to be VR. I think they are saying goodbye to movies. And with all of this tech, they are going to usher in the world of VR. Interesting. I mean, but we'll he's see in ready 10 years, for it, huh? it seems like. Oh, I already got John yeah. Mando saying that on a quote. <laughs> well, that's, that's actually another question. Are, do you think that if we're getting the next Avatar film without this decade-long delay, if it's going to feel like quite the event or, or maybe its impact will be reduced a little bit? There was a director that once said, her name was Taylor Swift, that when you make <laughs> products after a long period of time, it, it adds more pressure, but that when you're making consistently albums or projects back to back to mm-hmm. back, you get into this groove that can really help. And the director, James Cameron, also said the same thing. He said the 10 years was to create the technology. Now we're ready to tell the story. So let's see. All right. I do think they will get delayed, though. I know we have a time period, but it'll get yeah. delayed. We don't have to worry about they the kids growing do. up. Because do you see? we have motion <laughs> capture now, baby. Right, right. No more waltz. Yeah, I was surprised to see how much older Spider looks now already. Spider looks like a full-grown man. The little yeah. girl who plays the the baby, she had Invisalign, so her teeth aren't even the same anymore. <laughs> and she keeps talking about it. She's like, oh, no, I fixed my teeth only for the second movie to have my gap in my teeth. So it's adorable. It's cute, but the tech's going to keep it living on. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so... We're excited by the new Avatar. It seems like a lot of y'all are excited as well. Let us know your thoughts uh, in the comments and et cetera. 
Uh, you can also email us, intercutpod at gmail.com. But I think that's about all for this edition of After Credits. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd, at ZShevich. That's Z-S-H-E-V-I-C-H. And check out my YouTube or TikTok channels at Multiplex Show. Artwork and people find more from you. You can find me over at LME Explain on Twitter, talking about my path to Pandora, on Letterboxd, <laughs> Login Pandora, and on YouTube, uh, explaining as much of Pandora as I can and gushing yeah, about it every it. week here on the Intercut Podcast. You got an avatar LME on the way as well, right? I had my avatar pre-watch when we went to New York when I had my experience of re-watching the first one in 3D. Uh, well, not 3D, and then in 3D again. So, uh, yeah, I have a whole video of the ins and outs. And just as filmmaking, I, I you had asked me in our non-spoiler one if this excited you for the future. And I think both of us were just excited, even though we're not, we don't dress blue. Like, <laughs> we're not those people. But yeah. the idea that someone cares, I think we resonate with that. And I'm excited mm-hmm. to see what he does in the future because it's not just the movies and the tech that he's making. It, there's going to be ripple effects for everybody yeah. else. And stuff that we can't even necessarily anticipate. I'm excited. Yeah. You can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcatcher is. I like Overcast. And then make sure you subscribe not just to the audio feed, but to the video feed as well on YouTube.com slash IntercutPod. We can catch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of the Weekend Must Watch live streamed on our YouTube channel every Monday. And please leave us a comment, like these videos. Consider heading over to iTunes or, or even Spotify to give us a much-requested five-star review. Those really do help the show. And shout out to our listeners in Nigeria for putting us on the TV and film podcast charts out there. Like our Facebook, our Instagram, follow our Twitter, support us on Patreon. All of those are found at Intercut Pod to get updates throughout the week from Art, from me, from all the guests that we feature here on Intercut. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, teach them our ways so they do not suffer the shame of being useless. Good line.